Huddle up. He's going to spot up for three, lets it fly. Yes! It's time for the Brian Gregory Show on USF Bulls Unlimited. The Bulls are looking good. Men's basketball play-by-play man Jim Lighthall sits down with the head coach of the Bulls for all the inside info you need. I mean, does it get any better than that? Now with BG, here's Jim. Welcome back to another edition of the Brian Gregory Show. Jim Lighthall and the head coach, Brian Gregory, sitting down to talk Bulls basketball as we continue here in the month of February. Coach, uh, we're deep into the conference season. Got about a month of the regular season left. You've had a couple of huge games. You've had another couple huge games coming up. Stop me if I say the word huge too much because it seems like every game at this time of the year is gigantic. Yeah, you know, for a couple of different reasons. One, you know, in terms of home games, you got to really secure those home games now in the month of uh, February, heading into March, and then road games where you're where you're looking at trying to steal one or two, you know. Uh, and now as as the seeding starts shaking up, you're you're vying for positioning for the tournament. Uh, you're also most importantly trying to continue any momentum. So when you get to Dallas and Fort Worth, that you're playing at the best of the season. I was just going to ask you about that word momentum because, you know, the NCAA tournament committee used to look at the last 10 games. I think uh, for a team's regular season, you kind of got to look at the last five games because to me, that's where things get built on. Yeah. And, and, and I think the NCAA in terms of the tournament doesn't look at that much anymore. Uh, But coaches know how important it is. You know what I mean? How are you playing at the end of the year? How are you playing heading into the tournament? Um, you know, and, and so the, this this six-game stretch, three at home, three on the road, heading into Fort Worth, is is critical for us. We'll look back at the Memphis game and the Cincinnati game. That's a home and an away. And then we'll look ahead to the Tulsa game on the road and back home again on Saturday against Tulane. Uh, interestingly enough, two teams you haven't faced yet uh, this late in the schedule. Do want to go over a few things since the last time we talked. In the Cincinnati trip in particular, uh, this was a, the big booster slash donor trip. Had a big plane, had a lot of people on the trip. Coach, the Fifth Third Arena was about one-third hours, I think, that night. There was a lot of bulls in the building. Yeah, we did have a lot. And as we were walking out of the tunnel, we had a group that was separate from us uh, above the, the tunnel on the other side of the court. Um, obviously, great to have our donors with us on the trip. They go to the shoot-around. They do the pregame meal with, with us. Uh, film session a whole bit, uh, and they find some time to, to venture out in, in the city of Cincinnati as well. Uh, not only great restaurants, but also a little white castle that they were looking for that they were able to get. Um, and then it's always a special trip for me personally because it's only 45 minutes away from Dayton. You got so many great friends there, so many great uh, people associated with that basketball program, and we had about 20 people come down for that game as well and for Ryan Conwell closest game his brother is a Cincinnati student he's got family in the area as well so uh, we did have a lot of bulls in attendance at that game I thought that was a really cool twist Uh, I heard some of the coaches saying when we walked on the floor at shoot around early in the day uh, somebody said to Ryan Conwell you were sitting in the stands last time we were here that's that was kind of cool for him to to be there the year before as a fan, and then he started that game against Cincinnati. Yeah, it was it, it was neat, and you could tell it was it meant something to him, uh, which is what you want. You know, you want guys that that um, are emotionally tied and committed as well. The trip last year was to Houston, I believe. This year, Cincinnati. 
I like this idea for the donors to go because it really gives them a peek behind the curtain. It really does. And, and then I think one of the things that, you know, time and time again, any, anybody uh, that spends any time with our guys, especially on the road, um, and sees all the requirements that they have. Uh, but then they always talk about what, you know, first-class guys that we have, you know, thanking the bus driver, you know, you know just all little things that are, is critical for our program. So that was the Cincinnati game on Saturday, uh, Saturday, February the 11th. The Wednesday game earlier in the week was Redenko Dobras Day. Coach, I had a chance to talk to him at halftime, which is always a pleasure. I know you get to talk to him a lot. Uh, this is a guy that loves the University of South Florida, and they loved him back on Wednesday. Yeah, it was good. You know, I know he, he got his, his, his jersey in the, in the rafters and all, all those different things. But again, we, we've made a concerted effort that we have to do a better job of recognizing, honoring, uh, and celebrating um, individuals, teams, all different things. And, and having Rodenko there and his night uh, was certainly one of the things that we talked about wanting to do because he made such a huge impact on our program. We had not seen Arthur Jones really until the 1st of February, and then we celebrated him that day. We do see Rodenko a lot. And then Charlie Bradley Day will be on Saturday, February the 18th. There's another guy that's at every single game and uh, maybe the most celebrated local player of all time. Yeah, great to have you know a special day for him, obviously. Well-deserved. But he's at every game in full support and, and knows exactly what it's like to be a student athlete at South Florida. And uh, his positivity is something that, you know, I know our guys appreciate, our staff appreciates. And so it, it, it's going to be great on a Saturday night game, 8 o'clock, to have a great celebration for Charlie. And people don't just talk about Charlie Bradley in the throngs of USF lore. They talk about him in the throngs of Tampa Bay basketball lore because he was a Robinson guy. You know, you look at his numbers, though, at USF, he averaged 28 points per game as a sophomore, uh, 20 above 20 the next two years as well. I don't know if we'll ever see that again at this institution. No, you know, I mean, we, we go bonkers when, when Tyler gets 28 and 25. You know, he, he had two 30-point games. That's what, that's that's where Charlie lived every game, you know what I mean? And, 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 and it wasn't like he was out there shooting threes either, you know. So a different time, uh, you'll never see – that scoring ability. Uh, one reason is because if that's happening today, the guy's going to the NBA after his freshman or sophomore year. So, but it, you know, it, it's going to be a great night and a well-deserved night for Charlie. He led the nation in scoring for almost three months during that uh, particular year. So again, Charlie Bradley night that'll be on uh, Saturday, February the 18th against Tulane. I uh, do want to bring up a guy who's played really well over the last few weeks and had a monster game against Cincinnati. I didn't think we'd have enough time to talk about just him when we recap the Cincinnati game, but what Corey Walker has done lately, Coach, has been fantastic, especially stepping in for Russell Chiwa on Saturday. Yeah, you know, I I think if you take it and you charted it, since the game we didn't play him against East Carolina, he's played pretty well. And it's a process. And, and some guys don't want to go through the process. Uh, some guys want to, to, you know, have all these – Great things happen, but don't don't understand that it it, it takes time. It uh, there's hills and valleys in that, and what Corey has done day by day is just a, again maturity as a player. And he's I'm just telling you, he's scratching the surface. It, it's not even close what he what he's capable 
of doing. Um, but there, as I said, it, there's progression, which is good to see. But again, it, there, you, you got to just understand that it, it takes time and, and a maturity and a, and a daily work ethic and all that, and he's getting better at it. And as he gets better, there's going to be more production. I remember one of the first things you told us about Corey Walker when he came to this institution last year was you said, Rick Barnes doesn't recruit bad players because he was at Tennessee as a top 75 high school player, and we're starting to see all that again. Yeah, you know, I mean, anybody who knows Coach Barnes knows that he's not bringing in a guy who can't play. Um, but but again, I think, I, I, I think Corey and so many of these guys out there that first COVID year hurt so many guys, not just basketball-wise, uh, but it, it, it just – no one ever got their freshman year and the rhythm of the freshman year and understanding what it takes um, and so forth. And so, you know, the, for me, the, bit, the biggest thing is um, you got to coach them up hard. You got to know that they, – they, they got to know that you care about them and you got, you know, unbelievable – plans for them and when those two come together then that's when great things happen and and you're starting to see the 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 foundation of that being laid with Corey right now changing gears real quick coach something I've had on my list here for about three or four shows in a row we have not had a chance to get to it I'm going to try to talk with David Land the the strength and conditioning coach uh, coming up at halftime of uh, the game on Wednesday night against Tulsa but the many hats that this guy wears, for strength guys, they're with players a lot more than people realize because of what they do in the offseason, what they do during the season. Uh, he's responsible for the food on the road, which to me is one of the most daunting tasks on this entire staff. Yeah, and he's, he's first class in everything he does, as, as good as anybody I've been around because he's detailed, especially with the stuff that you don't think about it. Oh, he's strength conditioning coach. Okay, he's in the weight room. That's about half his job, you know, the nutrition piece, the hydration piece, the recovery piece, the prehab to make sure guys aren't getting hurt. You know what I mean? Um, all those different things are, are critical, 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 critical. And I think one of the best ways to look at it is when Russell miss, misses three months of being with Coach Land, strength, food, footwork, hand-eye coordination, all those different things. Now he's back after four months being back. You can just, again, see the impact that he makes. Because um, Russ, in the beginning of the year, was not did not go through all the stuff in the summer. So it tremendously impacted him. Um, you know, and, and you, you look at the weight that Doc put on. And Doc played very well in the Cincinnati game. Two months ago, he would not have been able to play like that. Doc's getting two extra lifts in a week and monitoring the food and, the, and, like I said, the hydration, all those different things. One of the things that I know is really hard, um, and listeners out there and our tremendous fans that support this world-renowned radio show would be able to understand this. One of his, Coach Land's biggest things is sleep. It's, it's the most important thing for these young guys, and it's the hardest thing to get yeah. them to do. You know what I mean? It's the hardest thing to get him to do. Um, and 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 he's got, you know, obviously all the research and all the different things, but it's, he's as good as impacted our program as anybody around. 
he picked up on the fact that I've got to have like three or four cartons of milk in the morning, and he makes sure that I have that, and he's okay in my book. That's for sure. He, he definitely understands each individual needs, even yours. That's what, It makes no difference whether we win or lose a game. <laughs> All right, that's the look at David Land from the coach's perspective. Again, I hope to have him on at halftime of the game coming up on Wednesday against Tulsa. Jim Lighthall and the head coach, looking back on the two games that we played, coach, since the last time we did this show. Let's start with the Wednesday, February 8th game against Memphis. It was a 99-81 to loss. This was another shootout where you played a shootout up in Memphis. Another NBA game broke out at the Yingling Center that day. Uh, you opened the second half 8-for-8 eight eight from the floor uh, to really push them into the second half. Yeah. You know, you asked me before the game, I kind of looked at you like, when you said, you know, do you talk to your guys about, hey, we need to score between 80 and 90 points to win? I looked at you like you just came off a six stop at bars or something like that. I mean, I, and, and you were on the money. You know, I mean, I, I thought the game would be in the 70s. I thought that would, would 70 to 80 would, would put us in position to win the game. Our 20 turnovers just killed us, you know, just to be honest with you. I mean, we score 81 points and have 20 empty possessions. And give them credit. Yeah, like I always say, it's just not that, like we're not turning the ball over and it's 5-on-0. They, they forced them, and they did a good job with their activity and so forth. Um, you know, I thought we, we, we executed our game plan on the defensive end very well, in, in, in the half court in particular. But their points off the turnovers was a difference in the game. Uh, you had a lot of turnovers to open the game. I know it was driving you nuts. You only had five in the second half, which allowed you to get back in the game. Right, and and you know we had some really good, like you said, offensive possessions in the in the second half. You know, again, forty six points and scored in the second half. You know, and and they made six threes the whole night, two in transition. The third one was a semi fast break, and then the uh, fourth one was Williams hit one at the end of the game. They only hit two in that in against our half court defense, and and we did a good job of plugging the gaps and and forcing them to play on top of us, and and you know kind of protecting in and recovering out. But when you give them the transition points off the turnovers, it it puts your defense in such a tough spot. Last year, you know, you and I talked about so many times where we where we struggled so much on offense. It puts so much pressure on our defense. You know, when you turn the ball over, it puts so much pressure on your defense because now you got to be perfect in the half court. Uh, and it's just something that we need to improve in. Russell Chiwa had his third straight double-double. Of course, Tyler Harris had 28 that night, and, and he also broke the American Conference records for most made threes in his career. He uh, passed Christian Vitale, the kid from UConn, but uh, Tyler Harris has had an amazing career, and that doesn't even include the, the, the makes he had at Iowa State. Right. You know, when you think about it, um, I'm not sure going into the season anybody thought he'd break it, you know what I mean? But he And especially when he started out the year 0 for 75 or whatever he was, you know what I mean? I mean, I look back and on those games and the shots that we were getting him that, you know, he couldn't he couldn't make any of them. But what a great accomplishment. You know, what a great accomplishment. It shows that, you know, if you're willing to work and put in the time and work on your craft, great things can happen. Um, you know, one of the things in this game that, that I was proud of him, first possession of the game, he, he made a great read and threw a pass to Russell, but he threw it too low. Turnover. Last play of the game, 
games over, he has a turnover. In between, he only had one. And he had to handle the ball quite a bit against their pressure. So I thought he, you know, considering in game one, he had eight turnovers. You know, so uh, really has shown the growth as a player, uh, just if you look at from between game one and game two against Memphis. That was Tyler's eighth 20-point game of the season. Here's the way we called it on Wednesday, February the 8th. And the Bulls will attack to the basket to our left, and the pass goes right off of the hands of Russell Chiwa down low. Tyler Harris attacking the basket, and the Bulls turn it over on the first possession. Here's a quick pass inside the KO, drop step, tries to go through Russell Chiwa. He does, kisses it off the window, and Memphis has the first two of the game. Memphis will trap you in the half court. Here come the Bulls in a 2-2 tie down the sideline. They throw it away. Saved, and here's a three-point shot on the left wing by Keontae Kennedy. He got the steal, and he got the three. Memphis will make you pay for the turnovers. That's two turnovers already for the Bulls. To Sam Hines, crosses midcourt. Right side pass to Chaplin, out to the top to Harris. That ball is tipped, went off Tyler Harris, not a bounce. So that's going to be a tough matchup for Tyler all night, and another turnover by the Bulls. That's three already. We haven't even played two minutes. Every pass has to be crisp and deliberate. You cannot... Just be lazy with passes. Here's Kendrick Davis stopping on a dime, and the pull-up jumper from 17 is good, and it's 9-2 Memphis with a 7-0 run, and it's taken one minute to do it. So already some issues developing for the Bulls, who are having lots of trouble holding on to the ball and some duress bringing the ball up. Ko makes both free throws. It's 13-4 Memphis. Conwell's got the big body to push Davis around a little bit. Here's Tyler Harris, launches a long three. That's good! Wow, and that was over Ko. From way downtown, Tyler Harris hits the triple. And he was practically in the courtside seats when he let it go. That was a 30-footer plus. Dribble penetration by Kennedy. Pull up from 15 feet, almost banked it from straight on. Rebound Russell Chiwa. Here come the Bulls down by a half dozen. Now USF will set up their offense against that Memphis man-to-man. Here comes a double team. Harris goes around two guys. He gets in near the paint, fires from 16 feet, a little floater, and it's good. And Tyler Harris has five of the Bulls' nine. Much better first half for Tyler this time around. He was shut out at Memphis, but he's got five points already tonight. Deontay Kennedy, he goes right into contact. He puts one up that misses, and Russell Chiwa ends up with a rebound. Outlet pass to Selton Miguel. Got a man down that sideline, finally sees him. Keyshawn Bryant to the basket, and he dunks it with two hands. Keyshawn Bryant had an opening, and he flew in for two. Keyshawn Bryant dunks. We love him. Six and a half to go first half, 32-24 Memphis. They have had control of this one from the outset. McCadden goes left, bounce pass KO, goes to the basket, layup easy is good. Joey, it just seems like everything they get is easy. Throws an alley-oop, KO had it ripped out of his hands, picked up by Keyshawn Bryant. Here he comes. He's going to go at Franklin. He goes in and dunks it with one hand. He went right over Franklin. Joey, I saw his soul come out of his body when he dunked it on him. Oh, you should have seen the size of Keyshawn Bryant's eyes as he had a breakaway, and it was just a matter of how creative can I make this. But he goes over and posterizes a Memphis player, and the Bulls have cut it to seven. Franklin back the other way, misses the three-point attempt, and Russell gets the rebound. Why would Franklin think he could block that dunk? You're going to end up on a poster, and that's what happened. Bryant runs a man over, and that's an offensive foul. Got caught in the air, now to Franklin. Crossover, pull up from 15, that's good. Memphis continues to shoot right around 50%. That stops the 8-0 run by the Bulls. It's back to a nine-point game, 44-35. Down the sideline it comes, Davis. Into the paint, Euro steps, fires, and hits. It's back to 11 with 1.15 to go before the break. Got to be very careful in this last minute to not let it blow up any further. They had cut it down to 7. Now it's back to 11. USF 
in the front court with about a minute to go here in the half. Conwell pass is taken away by Lawson. Stepped right in the lane. He runs into a man. Now leaves it inside for Davis. And another layup is good. And just that fast, six straight for Memphis. It's 48-35. Block to block pass. K.O. Oh. got a shot blocked by Corey Walker. Wow, what a block. And K.O. has his second dunk attempt blocked tonight. Bulls end up with a loose ball. Tyler Beautiful. Harris. Out on the logo, a couple stutter steps, a couple jab steps in the paint. Bounce pass to Corey Walker. Now back to Tyler. He elevates, fires on the move. Off oh, the window and in! Off the window and in! Oh, my goodness, Tyler Harris. What that's, a shot. That's the record setter. He just broke the American Conference record. Memphis got a dunk. Who cares? What a shot by Tyler Harris to break the record. A leaner contested, and he went off the window with it. Well, I guess if you're going to do it, do it with some style. <laughs> That was spectacular. Bulls down 11 with eight and a half minutes to go. Clock the ally for Memphis now. Selton Miguel out near midcourt. Some tired guys on the floor right now, including number two with the basketball, Tyler Harris. He's got 19. Gets a screen. Fires another three. That's around the rim and off. Corey Walker fights wow. for the rebound. Got it with one hand. To Harris in the corner. Does he reward him? He missed it. Rebound by Russell Chiwa. Drop step. Puts it up with the left hand. No, he went back to the right hand. Missed it. Tipped by USF. Missed it. They got it again. Keyshawn Bryant put it in. Three offensive rebounds on that play. The Bulls have cut this to a single-digit game. 77-68. USF now shooting 50% from the floor. All right, Coach. Then you turn around. You go on the road to Cincinnati, a place where you had won two years in a row. Uh, you lost that game 84-65. I turned to Joey. I was doing the game with Joey. We were early in the second half, and I go, boy, this is going to come right down to the wire again uh, just because that's the way these games had been happening in Cincinnati. It's the way your game has been all year long. And then all of a sudden, they went absolutely berserk making every single shot they took. Yeah, you know, you know, watching it and then re-watching it multiple times, um, I'm going to be honest, we ran out of gas at the wrong time. You know, because we did a great job in in the first half. And to be honest, there was, I think, 14 minutes ago and it was a six-point game and we had the ball. We took a bad shot uh, and it led to a transition three. Then we turned the ball over and they hit another three and it goes from six to 12 like that. And then we got a little out of sorts, but again, we just, you know, um, you're not able. We are a step slow in the second half in our closeouts. We are a step slow in terms of um, our recovery out of their, out of our help position. When you do that against a team that can shoot the way they can shoot it, with DeJulius, with Nolly, with Adams, and with Davenport, puts you in a tough, tough spot. And that's exactly what happened. And I think again, um, we weren't as sharp on the offensive end. You know, I, the the points off turnovers in the last three games last two games in particular is just putting so much pressure on every offensive possession outside of that has to you have to score and then and then every half court defensive possession you got to be spot on and we got to give ourselves a little more leeway in those areas and, and doing so by by protecting and taking care of the ball we mentioned Corey Walker he had a career high 25 coaches previous career high was 12. Uh, he had that early in the first half. And then I thought, as you mentioned, Doc Mordar comes in. He scores seven points, gets three rebounds. Those two guys had to had to elevate their game because Russell Chiwa didn't play, and then Keyshawn Bryant also didn't play. Right. You go into the, on the road, and 
two out of your top five scorers aren't playing and two out of your top five rebounders aren't playing and you get to play Cincinnati. So you got you to gotta challenge some guys. And I thought Corey, obviously, as we talked about earlier, uh, really stepped up. But I thought Doc showed the growth that, that he, he couldn't have done that three months ago or two and a half months ago when the season started. Um, but it's a good lesson, too, because he's never let his circumstances stop his development as a player. And I'm just telling you, it's one of the biggest challenges for young athletes. Your development, your improvement, your attitude, your work ethic cannot be dictated by your circumstances. Playing time, am I starting? Am I a role player? Am I, all that stuff can't, can't impact it. And it's easier said than done, but Doc's done a good job of staying positive, working. That doesn't mean he doesn't get down that he maybe hasn't played um, as much as he would like. But when his number was called, he was ready. From my seat, from my vantage point, I get to see everything. And one thing that I look for a lot is attitude, uh, body language, what guys are doing in the huddle. He has never lost that fire for, I, I want to get better, and I'm, in, I'm engaged in what's going on. I, I, I think he's got a chance to be really good. You know, I think one of the things that you saw in that game is, you know, he, he's different than Russ. He, he's really good in the pick-and-roll game where you can play – to him on the move and he can catch it and finish better shop locker uh more, more rim protection and so forth he just needs 20 pounds maybe 30 i'll take 40 you know what i mean and if he does that he's going to be one of the better big guys in our league here's the way we called it at fifth third arena on february the 11th drifting right into contact now into the paint Tries to step through, gets loose, missed it too strong. Put back by Corey Walker is good. Corey to the free throw line and a chance to tie this game at 16. There it is with 8.45 to go in the first half. Left side pass, Davenport elevates and fires a three that's good. And that's their first make from beyond the arc today after an 0 for 7 start. Keep shooting it. They're bound to go in. Oguama, entry pass taken away by Corey Walker. Gets it off to Tyler Harris. Here's Tyler, one-handed pass on the perimeter to Conwell. Now back to Walker, wide open for three, loads it up, fires, good! Corey Walker's got his first double-digit scoring performance this season, and he's done it in 12 and a half minutes. Unbelievable pass by Tyler Harris, one-handed, left-handed pass through traffic to Ryan Conwell, who dished to Corey Walker, who buried a three. That was like Globetrotter stuff. 19-19 tie, 7.43 to go in the first half. Here's Tyler Harris, pulls down by three, gets it to Walker. He stops, he pivots, he fires. He's got a career high of 13 points. Corey Walker so far is certainly up to the task, playing probably the best game of his USF career. We have six minutes to go in the first half, and the Bearcats lead at 22-21. Remember, he was a top 75 player coming out of high school and ended up at Tennessee. Tyler. Out near the logo, goes around two guys, gets the elbow, pass inside to Walker, reverse layup, good, and he got wow. fouled. And a huge fist pump by the head coach right in front of us because that's what he told Tyler to do previously. They are collapsing on Harris when he drives in, and that's leaving people open. That play was just a thing of beauty. To Selt Miguel, he shakes free to the baseline. Now to Jake Boggs, wide open, straight three, good! Splash down from the kid from Charlotte. Great, great opportunity there for Jake Boggs as the ball gets cycled back out to the top of the key, and he makes it. And the Bulls 
now have two of five from three-point range tonight. USF down one with exactly a minute to go in the first half. They want to enter it in down low, and they're waving off Landers Nolly. Julius is asking for a screen. He's going to step into a three. That's no good. Fight for the rebound on the backside is controlled by Selton Miguel. Here comes Selton. He's got his head up. Here come the Bulls. Three on three. He's going to the basket. He got fouled. He throws it up. Oh, it bounced on the rim twice and fell off. Man, just not enough English on the ball. He, he threw it high off the glass, and it just couldn't quite spin in the basket. I don't know who was trying to contort their body more to get that ball in. You or Brian Gregory, we you were, were both doing the we, same thing. Just under 45 seconds to go in the first half. The shooting percentage for USF is creeping up, Joey. They're at 44% now. They've made six shots in a row. Second free throw by Selton is also good, and the Bulls have the lead 35-34. This is one of their best three or four minute offensive sequences of this season. Outlet pass to Tyler Harris. Shot clock is off. Bulls can hold for the final shot with 10 seconds to go. Here's Tyler on the logo. Clock is down to six. He's got to go. Does he recognize? He's got to go. It's three seconds. He's still on the logo. Two seconds. He steps into a long three. Got it! <laughs> Tyler Harris bails out the Bulls again. This was a deep, deep Deep three. Mike Adams-Woods, lefty going left, gets into the paint, now kicks it on the perimeter. Skillings, three ball, nothing but the bottom of the net. Wow. Yeah, it's, 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 it's craziness for the Bearcats right now. They just they simply can't miss. Tyler throws a runner up in the paint that doesn't go, and Cincinnati gets the rebound. Here comes DeJulius back the other way. Kicks it right side. In the corner it goes. Another wide open three. Of course he made it. Micah Adams-Woods makes that one and I mean everybody in the building is making threes now for Cincinnati they're five for seven from three in the second half 15 point game Selton Miguel straight on misses that and it's one and done now for the Bulls at the other end too and that's the problem do I sound discouraged disappointed I am because the Bulls played a tremendous first half of basketball Joey had a four-point lead they're not doing much wrong at the defensive end. It's just everything Cincinnati's putting up right now is going in. They're a blistering 71% in the second half. Yep. But USF did indeed play a great first half, but Cincinnati has proceeded to play an even greater second half, and uh, there's only so much you can do. Davenport in front of him. Sorrell gets into the paint. He got it ripped out of his hand, picked up by Corey Walker. Shot goes down by Corey Walker from nine feet, and he's kind of laughing going on the floor because he's seeing a manhole cover up there. Yep, and again, we've said it before, but Corey's having an incredible game, but others need to follow in his footsteps because Corey's kind of a one-man offensive show right now. He's the only bull in double figures with 23. USF with a 2-3 zone. They're trying anything they can think of defensively. Down 13 with six and a half to go. Davenport wide open for three, and he makes that. And when Davenport got the ball in his hands, Brian Gregory bowed his head before Davenport even attempted a shot. He knew it was going in. Davenport is a 31% three-point shooter. He's made four tonight. Conwell into the lane. Almost lost his dribble. Gets it out to Chaplin. Ball fake to get a little real estate. Chap knocks a man over. Gets it inside. Corey Walker with a two-handed dunk. Chap set him up, and Corey finished it. He's got 25. What can you say that we haven't said before? Corey Walker, just an amazing night. A career night. Jim Light Hall along with the head coach. Coach, you got two games coming up, one on the road and one at home. And uh, it's Tulsa at the Reynolds Center on Wednesday night. 
This Tulsa team is 5-19. and They're 1-11. and The record doesn't look very good, but just ask Tulane if they're any good because Tulane <laughs> is one of the top three teams in this league, and they got beat by this bunch. Yeah, and, and they played really well against Memphis. You know, they have lost some close games. I think there was a four-game stretch in the beginning of conference where they lost four games by four points or less. You know what I mean? Very, very good offensively. Uh Beston is the leading three-point shooter in the league. Griffin averaged 22 points a game against us last year in the two games, one of the leading scorers in the league. You know, they're, they're very, very good in terms of moving and sharing the ball. Anthony Pritchard, I think, is one of the best pure point guards in our league. They always seem to find a guy like that. Yeah, it's also yeah and he's tough, and he— they list him at 170, and he, he, he plays like he's 210 at the point. You know, he's big, strong, and so forth. So they haven't defended as well, to be honest with you. They just have not defended at a at a high enough level in this league. But they can get it going offensively. You know, you know, again, one one of the few teams to to beat Tulane in in this league, and and have lost some close games and, and have had some games where because of their defense, things haven't worked out very well. We have to play well. Any Every game that the opponent has got into a shootout with them, it's gone down to the wire. So we, we definitely can't do that. They do give up 78 points per game. And then Bryant Salabunge is a tremendous rebounder. He's the best rebounder in the league. He's got nine double-doubles this year. He's top 12 in the country in rebounding, so you better clean up the glass. Yeah, he's a tremendous, tremendous offensive rebounder. You know, and he's just so he's a warrior down there. He's going to go get his own misses. He's going to knock you around. So we're hoping Russ will be able to give us significant minutes. But if not, then Corey and, and Doc are going to have their work cut out for him because he's as good an offensive rebounder as this league has seen, you know, since anybody who didn't wear a Houston uniform or Alexis Yetna. This Tulsa team through the years you've seen with Frank Haith. He is no longer there. He resigned at the end of last year. They've got a new head coach. How are they different than they were under Frank Haith? Completely different. Now they'll throw some zone at us, but Tulsa over the last three years, four years, has played exclusively zone. A matchup, we call it a you pick them, where they go with cutters and different things like that. They've three-quarter court pressed. They've played small with small four men and spread the court and really drove you. Like you said, always had tough guards, you know what I mean? So different, different. And and so it's it's a the only thing we, we carried over from last year is some personnel because they got a bunch of new players as well. So we got to do a good job of understanding that it's a much different system. USF has never beaten Tulsa in the history of the school. Does that matter on Wednesday night? Ever, ever? Ever. 0-12. Well, let's see what we can do. <laughs> Perfect. I, I want to see what you can do also on Wednesday night. That'll be at the Reynolds Center, and they'll tip things off at 8 o'clock. Our pregame will be at 7.30. Then Saturday, Tulane. Now you're going opposite end of the spectrum, Coach. They're 9-3 and three in the league. They're second in the AAC. They've won four in a row with wins over Memphis and Cincinnati, the same two teams that you just played. Yeah, they won both those in overtime, I believe, you know, and, and just an offensive powerhouse, you know what I mean? Now, the one thing they do great defensively is they force a lot of turnovers. But they are so uh, gifted offensively, uh, transfer from Alabama, transfer from Nebraska, transfer from LSU. 
uh, you know, just really, really good offensively. Can score in bunches. Uh, tremendous three-point shooting team, uh, two-point shooting team, free-throw shooting team. Uh, you got to play really, really good defensively. And then you got to score. You know what I mean? You got to score. You put yourself in a position where they have three all-league players in, in Cross, Forbes, and, and Cook. Uh, and so you, you, you got to be at the top of the game. So let me jump in and ask you this because that kind of leads me to my next question. Cook averages 19, Forbes averages 19, Cross averages 15, but he's kind of a point forward who also averages about five or six assists per game. Who's the head of the snake here? Three-headed snake. <laughs> the Medusa. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, thing with, the thing with Cross is the ball's in his hands a lot. If it's not in his, it's in Cook's. Forbes kind of plays off the two of them. You know what I mean? Um, and 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 the, obviously, Cook is a, the, the, the guard, so you got to match him up with a guard. Forbes is kind of that wing player. You match him up with the wing. Where Cross gets you is he plays the five, but he handles the ball on the perimeter a lot. Uh, so it's a, it's a, he's the toughest matchup. And I think in the games like the Memphis game, uh, the the Cincinnati game, those those guys Williams from Memphis, Lotkin from Cincinnati had a tough time matching up with him because he's as strong and and very skilled. So it's a tough tough matchup. We got to come up with a really good game plan for that one. Uh, you mentioned they score. They average eighty two points a game. This series has been great through the years, just by through the numbers. Uh, four and four in the last eight. Now they have won the last three, but neither team has won more than three straight in the series since the mid '90s. No one can get on a roll on this in this series. It seems like uh, because of the way the two teams are so evenly matched. And for you, you only see them once, and you get them at home. Yeah, it's going to be a great Saturday night with honoring Charlie playing the. You know the top one of the top teams in the in the league, and and it's a great opportunity for us. We're gonna have to play really, really solid on defense, and they force a lot of turnovers and get steals. So we got to take care of the ball. It's gonna be key. All right, coach. I appreciate the time. As always, two big games coming up. Uh, looking forward to this. Uh, getting a win on Wednesday night, and then coming home and taking care of business against Tulane. So thanks for the time. Thanks, Jim. That's Bulls head coach Brian Gregory. Another Brian Gregory show, award-winning Brian Gregory show in the books. That'll do it.